huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. How to deal with difficult clients. Welcome to the live feed and the Disruptive Entrepreneur Audio podcast. Now, you see a lot of people moaning, whining about companies if they've provided poor service or about clients if one-man band entrepreneurs, small businesses get a bit disillusioned with their clients. And I would say be wary of those. Let's just take you from being a client perspective. If you leverage social media and you use platforms to moan and complain about the providers you use, other providers may not want to use you. I think the first thing to say is most difficult clients, whether that's you or your clients, don't normally start that way. Now, sometimes they do, but mostly they don't. So if you have a difficult client, here's what could have happened. Number one is they could have had a really bad experience with a provider like you before and they're bringing over that memory and experience and putting that onto you. Now, whilst you could say, well, that's like an ex blaming me for everything that their ex did. But at least if you understand that, you understand them. It could be you up yourself, a member of staff, something you did, a system or a process that didn't work. You didn't meet their expectations, you oversold, whatever. So it's important to know, because I've got 12 points to cover here on how to deal with difficult clients. The first thing is they don't always start difficult. Mostly they don't. So if you can find out what made them a difficult client, whatever difficult means, if you can see your service from their point of view, then I think you're going to be better equipped to deal with it. Because just moaning about people on social media and using it as leverage, you might get your way, you might get a refund or, you know, you might win a little argument. All right. So the second thing is you want to find what the truth is or the part truth is in their unhappiness, their complaint, their moan, their rant. So even if you've been literally completely panned, slammed publicly, there's likely to be truth in the feedback that they're giving. Now, it's really hard to accept it when you know what you've done to set up your business. You know how much you care. You know what service and value you provide. You know how hard you work. But what you do is you imagine it's not your business. It's someone else's business. 
you know, you're looking in because we're all great at giving other people advice. But when it's the emotion of us, we take it personally. The point is, actually, this is another point. Most of their critical feedback, normally, it's not personal. It's just the experience that they're having. So it's not you, it's an event or a situation. So if you look for the truth, no matter how emotional or angry or defensive you feel about it, one, you're going to be able to improve your service. And two, you can then start the process of trying to solve the problem and making the difficult client happy. Now, the third thing is that most of your best evangelists, the diehard fans and the lovers of your product and service, most of them, surprisingly, would actually be people who had a bit of a bad experience with you. Maybe not the worst experience because they may never recommend you, but they had some challenge with you and you solved it because people don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. So actually, you look at this difficult client and you're like, oh, I don't want the problem. Oh, it's hard. You know, they're being unfair. But they're probably going to be one of your best followers, fans and evangelists, because I think everybody realistically knows that no business or company or entrepreneur is ever not going to have any problems and is going to be perfect. I think they want to know that you'll try and solve their problems and that you'll care for them. OK, the next thing is often they just want to be heard. Now, what we found occasionally we upset a client. Occasionally we don't serve a client and give them the consistent service that we do for 97, 98 percent of our clients. I'd love to say I'm perfect. I'd love to say we've never had an unhappy client, but we've had hundreds of thousands of clients and we have up sometimes. And sometimes your clients tried to email you. They got the wrong email address. They tried to phone you. They couldn't get through and they feel like they're being ignored. Now, you might not be ignoring them. You might not be getting the messages. They're, you know, a lot of these problems that happen with clients, it's just a misunderstanding. It's just poor communication. And it's built into something. You know, like when you were dating and you text someone and then you're waiting. Where's my reply? I haven't got a reply in a minute. Oh, they don't like me anymore. Oh, they're ignoring me. Oh, they're messing me around because they haven't replied for five minutes. Oh, wait a minute. They're typing. I can see the little notes come up. Oh, no, they're not anymore. They're messing me around. And then you send some kind of message. Are you messing me around? Don't mess me around. I don't want to be messed around. All right. Anyway, so often your clients probably just want to be heard. They want someone to reply to them. Do you open your emails? Do you answer your phone? Often when I've looked into it, I'd say seven times out of 10, when someone feels like they haven't been heard, they've either got the wrong email address or the person was on holiday or they had the wrong phone number. But there was a miscommunication. It wasn't bad intention on our part. It's just our client wasn't being heard. So allow them to be heard. If they post publicly and they're slamming you a bit, don't just delete them because if you delete them, they're not being heard anymore. And then they're going to kick off in a bigger tirade and it's going to exaggerate and exaggerate. So these really, really angry clients who are going around everywhere scorning you, it's probably have taken a long, long time for them to get there and you were part of that process. Okay, so the next point, five stroke, six stroke, whatever, is care, serve and solve. If you care, you try hard, you try to serve, you try to solve problems, you're not perfect, but you do care, you do try, you know you put a realistic amount of your time and your staff's time in the day, in the week, you know, a quarter or a third of the day purely to care for your customers, to write them nice notes, to reply to their messages, you will be fine and they will love you. Now, you don't have to do it 10 hours a day because you can't because you've got to maintain a profit to sustain the overheads to be able to grow your business. It's okay, you know, you, you shouldn't care, serve and solve so much that you don't and can't make any money. But if we ever have a really problem client, I will phone them up. I will talk to them. Anyone who messages me, I reply to them. Even if the process has to go back to someone else because I've not been involved, I will reply personally, even though I get hundreds of messages. 
you know, I didn't always do that because sometimes I was a bit embarrassed about the problem. So I'd hide or scared or thought that it might go away or felt it was a personal attack. Or sometimes you feel like, well, it's not mine. It's below my station because I have a customer services helpline. Who wants to phone a customer services helpline and get an automated customer service message? Who wants to post a ticket? You know, your complaint is registered as a ticket. And in 78 years, your complaint will be dealt with with an automated reply. No one wants that. Pick up the phone, speak to your customers and clients. A couple of times in the last 10 years, Mark and I have had some unhappy customers where we haven't served them or some things have happened and we've had a few of them that have got together. And myself or Mark have got in the car or picked up the phone and we've gone and met them and we've spoken to them. And when you show that you care, you know, you can normally find a solution, a middle ground. Okay, so the next one is, and there is a but here, but some clients are just not a right fit. You know, if people who fly first class go on EasyJet or Ryanair, that's not a fit. They're never going to be happy. You know, if some people like really, 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 really bargain clothes and they go into a massive designer store that's £400 a polo shirt or whatever, or £55,000, £60,000 a watch, it's not a right fit. So it is okay to part ways with your client. Now, you hear some gurus, trainers, business people say, fire the bad clients. No, fire them. This isn't an American TV show. It's not suits. You don't fire them. I mean... Oh, which bad advice is that? You amicably part ways, you thank them for being interested in you and you say that you don't think you can provide the service that they need that's right for them. So you either say, look, I don't want to take your money for the sake of it or waste your money or time. And or you can recommend someone who is right to them. And if they're a bit of a difficult client, pass them on to your competitors. All right, I'm only joking on that one. But it is true to say some clients aren't right and not all money is equal. And some clients will be difficult and they'll pay you and you won't make a profit on them. You'll make a loss on them because they're over demanding or they're expecting something that you can't provide. Now, what you do is you check your sales material, you check your pitch, you check that you're giving the right information and you're not overselling. And then once you know you're doing that, then you say to your client, look, I understand, but this is not how it works. You know, I had someone who was going to be a mentee of mine and I have a process whereby I will speak to them before and I will email them before and I'll liaise with them and that's all good. And I do that and I did that before they're paid, by the way. And then what we do is we have our first session where we go through vision, strategy, goals, all that kind of thing. This person paid the minimum deposit and then asked all these questions. I said, hey, look, no problem. That's going to be dealt with in our first meeting. Now, that person maybe saw that as a bit of a, oh, well, you know, I've paid for your mentoring and stuff, but I just had a system and a process. And he kind of got a bit funny with me. And I thought, I don't want him to have a false expectation of what I offer. It's probably just not a fit. And that's okay. You know, he probably has a different expectation. I probably have a different expectation. And so I offered him a refund and I gave him the choice. And, you know, there was, he didn't get emotional about it. And he decided to take the refund and he's still in the communities and, you know, hopefully still getting value. And I'm still here for him if he ever wanted to message. But it just wasn't going to fit. And that's okay. Now, when you start your business, it's hard to turn money away, isn't it? Because it's money and you need money. But there's always a cost to that money and it can be a lot more than the money. Okay, next one then. Never bash your clients publicly. The amount of people that are bashing their clients on social media groups and outing them and having arguments with them. If you do that to your client, what does every other client of yours think you could do to them? How you do anything is how you do everything. It shows you have a lack of control over your emotions. It's disrespectful. Why would you ever do that? Don't do it. Don't do it just to make a point. Don't do it just to win an argument, blah, 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 create a debate. Don't do it. Now, look, if they've started on you, as it were, and then you get into a debate, it's okay to defend yourself. It's okay to say, actually, you're not right about that. I appreciate all feedback, but we need to stick to facts. Here are the facts. Here's proof. It's okay not to be bullied, 
but I don't think it's ever okay to bash your clients publicly. Okay, now remember, next point, without your clients, you have no business. So if it's not for our staff, if it's not for our clients, we would be down KFC licking people's fingers. You know, we'd be picking fag butts off the floor and smoking them. We've got nothing. So when most people think that their clients and customers, you know, are a bit of a pain once they've taken the money, because you know those companies, they're like, on you, on you, on you, money, money, on you, on you, on you, on you, money, and then you never hear from them again. You don't want to be perceived like that. So care for your clients the whole way. Be grateful for them. Now, when you're grateful for them, you'll go through the emotional journey with them. Now, every now and again, I do have some clients that are like very demanding and I'm helping a lot. And sometimes I think, you know, whoa. But then I have to go, this person has paid good money. As long as they're within the parameters of the service that I've offered them, absolutely fine. And I'll help them. And remember, every time your client's finding it difficult, you're difficult or their journey is difficult and you care and you serve and you solve, you have an evangelist. Okay, next one is your unhappiest clients are your best source of feedback. And I think Bill Gates has that as his quote. I totally agree with that. Your followers, your fans are going to go, I love what you do. I love what you do. I love what you do. They're going to defend you against your critics, trolls and haters. And that's great. But they're probably not going to say to you the thing about your company that they don't like because they like you and they're not that kind of person and they don't like conflict. But your unhappy customers, they are the best source. So, for example, a few things that I think is smart to do that we implement over the years is have exit interviews with unhappy staff. Anytime anyone is unhappy or disillusioned or angry with you, that is great. You want exit interviews. You want to get people to speak to them. You want to pick up the phone and say, hey, look, I'm really sorry. You know, give me all the feedback. And you want them to unleash it. And you don't want them to filter it by saying, oh, look, I don't want to offend you or anything. You just want them to throw it all out there. And you want to just, here is your identity. Put a big wall up against it because they're not moaning about you. They're not minding either about what you did or what happened and just take all the notes. You see, the worst kind of unhappy client is one that keeps really quiet, stores it, and then demands to everyone else privately and ruins your brand. The best type of unhappy client is the one that will tell you because then you can sort it out. No one is perfect. We're not perfect. You know, we have a VIP program. It's minimum, if you get a discount, it's 6,500 to 25,000. If you don't, it's 15,000 to 50,000. Undeniably, 90 odd percent of people absolutely love it. And, you know, and I'm not just saying that they do, but we do have some common critiques some things that are difficult. Sometimes it's hard to book your mentor because there are a lot of people on the program. And sometimes if it's not me or Mark, because we're very available, some of the mentors are not as easy to get hold of as other mentors. We're aware of that. The best source of that feedback is people who are maybe not as happy with VIP as others, because everyone who loves VIP, that's not a problem to them or they're not experiencing that problem. But some people are. So what we've got to do is listen and solve that. Now, we've refined our processes over the years. VIP is a million times better than it used to be. But it can always be improved. And I always say to people, it's not perfect. It probably never will be perfect. But what we will do is strive to make it better. All right, then. Next one is every six months or so, do what's called an NPS, which is a net promoter score. So every six months, your staff and your clients do a quick survey and say from zero to 10, how do you rate us? Overall, you know, zero hate us, 10 love us and would recommend us to everybody. And then maybe a few subcategories, whether value for money, you know, the personal touch, delivery of service, uniqueness, etc. Maybe one to five questions. Do that every six months internally and externally, because obviously what you want to do is ideally know that you're growing and improving. It's a simple process. It's called Net Promoter Score. You should be doing it. Maybe you're not. All right, the next point is, accept that you can't please them all. And the reality is, if you're a scaled business, if you're doing a million, five million, 50 million, and you have a refund rate of, say, 5%, or you, know, you only have 5% of your clients that are unhappy, that's good. Now, obviously, your goal is to get it to 0%. 
But, you know, you can have 0% unhappy clients when you have one client. Can you have 0% unhappy clients when you have one million clients? I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't strive to, but I don't think so. So what you want to do is you want to look at your unhappiness ratio, your refund rate, your complaints rate, i.e. the amount of customers that complain compared as a percentage to the amount of customers you have. And then you want to look at getting that down, right down. You can't master what you don't measure. So start measuring it. And then finally, if there is a big problem, if there is an unhappy client, then go and help them. Roll up your sleeves and deal with it yourself. People love it when the owner of the company comes out to try and solve a problem. Even if it wasn't created by them, it shows that you care. It shows that you're reachable. Now, I have about 55 people who work on Robert Mark VIP. And they know I'm reachable 24 hours a day, seven days a week through WhatsApp, through my text message, through email. They know it. There's no one that could say they don't know it. I tell them all the time. And sometimes that's just good enough because there's plenty of clients I've got that don't contact me month to month other than our monthly meeting and they go out and they nail it and they do great and they're really happy with the value but they don't message me every five minutes. They just know that they can and they know I'm there if they have a real problem. And sometimes that's good enough and I would say about 10% of my clients, maybe 15%, five to eight of them, they use me a lot and they email me every week or every other day and I like that, you know, because I know that, you see, what I don't want is a load of clients and a load of money and then have the money and then then not get the results because then I won't have any more clients. So actually what I want is a good amount of clients with a nice fair fee, which is, you know, good and high enough for me to maintain a good profit. That fee enables me to give them really good service. And if they email me every day, that's fine. You know who you are. You know, if you email me every day or five times a day, that's fine because I know when I give you the results, you'll become an evangelist. So make yourself available to your clients. Now, you know, of course I'm giving you some of my examples because it's me and I'm talking, but I'm not perfect either. I always accept feedback. If you've got any feedback on my live feeds or anything about the way I'm trying to serve you best, message me, you know, because some people say, Rob, slow down a bit. I remember I was doing some interviews on my podcasts and someone pointed out that I was going, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. What he was saying was, Rob, you're doing that so much and you don't notice it and therefore it's distracting me from listening to the guy you're interviewing. And that was really good feedback. But he's right. So, you know, what I had to learn is better skills. I'm interviewing someone. I want to look at them. I want to engage with them. I want them to know I'm interested. But because I'm doing an audio recording, I can't go, yeah, 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 because that's all you hear. So feedback is great. Feedback is the breakfast of champions. So let me summarize this for you. Thanks for all the messages, by the way. Number one, your most difficult clients probably didn't start that way. That was something that you did. You can go back and look at your systems and processes and improve them. Number two, there's part truth, at least in their unhappiness, endeavor to solve it. They can and probably will be your best and biggest evangelists. They probably just want to be heard. They've not been heard. Care, serve and solve. But some clients aren't right fit and it's okay to part company amicably if you can. Sometimes you have a fight. Sometimes you fall out with your person. You can't help that if you serve a lot of people, but try your best not to. Never bash your clients publicly. Without your clients and your customers and your fans and your followers and your commentators, you are absolutely nothing. Remember that. Be grateful for them. Your unhappiest clients are your greatest source of feedback and growth. And they're better than the ones that don't tell you and then moan privately or even, you know, in closed groups. Do your net promoter score every six months and try and improve it. Accept that you can't please them all, but monitor your ratio of refunds or complaints and try and get it down and down and down and down and down. Sometimes it's just bad luck which creates a bad problem. You know, sometimes we've had the odd client. It's like they're cursed, the poor guys. Everything that could go wrong for them through us did. Everything we've ever done that was wrong just went to a couple of poor unlucky clients. Unlucky for us, unlucky for them. And that's sometimes how it is. And, you know, we have to give them a bit of extra love. And finally, make yourself available 
to them. Thanks for tuning in to the Disruptive Entrepreneur audio podcast and live feed. Please can you review the Disruptive Entrepreneur on iTunes? The more reviews we get, the better content I can give you, the better interviewees I can get. So it really helps you. It costs you nothing. So please go and review it now and let me know what you think on iTunes. If you need anything, private message me or tag me in below this video or in the Disruptive Entrepreneurs group if you're listening on audio. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.